Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all his angels with him, then he will stand and sit on his glorious throne. And before him will be gathered all the nations of the earth, and he will separate one from the other as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right and the goats he will place on the left. And then the king will say to those on his right, Come, O blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And the righteous will say to him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and give you food or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say to them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. And then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. I was naked and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not visit me. And then they will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not minister to you? And he will say to them, truly, I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go off into eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Is there hope for wayward sheep? I mean, when I read a passage like this, my first question, is there hope for wayward sheep? Matthew 25, the sheep and the goats. It's a scary story. Verse 31, you get the throne this is a window into that judgment seat throne moment. But verse 32, we hear that horrible word, and he will separate one from another. This separation language, this language in verse 41 that says to those on his left, the goats, depart, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Verse 46, where Jesus describes this as eternal punishment. This is hard stuff to hear in our culture. A number of years ago, the Church of England in 2014, as they were continuing their liberalization of the liturgy, uh, made a controversial decision to remove the devil and sin out of the required baptismal liturgy. No longer were parents and godparents and candidates required to renounce the devil and his works, but a more ambiguous renounce evil. Uh, Damien Thompson wrote in the Telegraph in England um, that next day, he wrote these words. He says, sources close to hell report that the devil is pleased that he's no longer mentioned by name. The devil accepts that he's a controversial figure but being singled out at every single baptismal service like that was getting hurtful. <laughs> but taking 
the teeth out of this text doesn't help us whatsoever. We need to face down the harsh reality of judgment. As Dale Bruner says, Jesus loves human beings and wants to save them from messed up lives and messed up eternities. And that's why Jesus tells his scary stories. It's meant to be a wake-up call. You see, the single basis of this separation in this story is whether you're a sheep or whether you're a goat. That, that's the separation. And I know as I was reading the text, you know, the sheep are over here and the goats are over there. Y'all can move later if you need to. But this idea of separating sheep and goats is a real thing that happened in Israel. You see, in Israel, when you're a shepherd and you look out at your sheep, we're not thinking of the nice clean sheep at the petting zoo. We're thinking sheep on the mountainsides of Israel, right? They're wet, they're muddy, they're damp, they're matted. Sheep and goats end up looking very, very similar in a large herd. The only difference between a sheep and a goat when they're really gross is a goat's tail stands up and a sheep's tail hangs down. And so the shepherds will go through and look at the tails. In this case, you've got the king, the true shepherd, separating sheep and goats the same way. But this is the separation. The marker is whether they've served the least of these. Verse 40 and verse 45 uses this phrase, the least of these, as they're described as those who are hungry, thirsty, those who are strangers and naked and sick and in prison, the least of these. I suppose the best definition we could give of the least of these, that key separation marker, the least of these are those at the bottom, those who are below you, those who have nothing to offer you back if you serve them. That's the least of these. And verse 40 is even scarier, the fact that Jesus says, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. He identifies the service we offer to the least of these as service to him, the king. Well, if I'm a sheep, I'm sure inconsistent in my sheepiness. Is there hope for wayward sheep? See, there's incredible good news in this scary and hard text. Because you see, what we find here, the good news is that sheep are inheritors. Sheep inherit their status as sheep. Sheep haven't made themselves sheep. Being a sheep is a gift that God gives you. Sheep are inheritors. But not only are they inheritors, Sheep are imperfect. This passage lays out the fact that this is not a picture of, okay, the perfect people over here and the imperfect people over there. Sheep are imperfect, and it's identified in this text. But not only are sheep inheritors and are sheep imperfect, but thanks be to God, sheep are ultimately imitators. Sheep end up doing what they see the shepherd doing. See, first, sheep are inheritors. See, the good news is in verse 34, that word comes in. Jesus says, come, O blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. That language of inheritance is the language of birthright, right? You get a salary for what you do. You get an inheritance for who you are. You cannot make yourself a sheep. That is the first thing we need to see in this text. 
If you are a sheep, it's because you've inherited that status. You've been chosen. Christ has made you to be one of his sheep. And how does Jesus make us to be his sheep? Well, again, it's in verse 34, that first word, come, O blessed of my Father, come. In Greek, it's the word dute. And I wonder if the disciples, when they heard this story in Matthew 25, just before Jesus' arrest, or just before his trial begins, if they were thinking back to that moment by the Sea of Galilee when they first met him. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, when Jesus walked by them and said, come, follow me, come. See, that first word, come, come to me, come, follow me, be my disciple. This is the means by which we are made sheep, by responding to Jesus summoning his call in our lives. Come, O blessed of my Father. Isn't it amazing that the first word that Jesus says will be spoken over us in judgment, come, is the same first word that Jesus spoke to us when we first accepted him, come. This is the word we hear on the day of judgment. Come, you are my sheep. I've made you sheep. As many of you know, I've had a bit of a geographic identity crisis for a couple years. Not quite knowing where's home, where I am. But that all got solved in the last week and a half because I was made by the state of Texas an honorary Texan. Yes, I was. And, and now... now the question is, how is it possible that a Canadian, not even yet an American citizen, could be named an honorary Texan? And here's how. Because Governor Greg Abbott says it so. <laughs> now, here's the reality. This is the gospel. Isn't this the gospel? See, the gospel is that you are who you are. I am who I am, not because we've earned it, not because we've tried hard but because Christ declares who you are. Jesus says, you are my sheep. You are my disciples. I've called you to myself. And therefore, by his word, that is what we are. Sheep are inheritors. You see, in verse 37 and verse 46, there's this loaded theological word describing the sheep. It says, the righteous. The righteous will say. And you say, wow, the righteous. But be careful. Righteous is a theological word that means right relationship. Right relationship with, with who? With God. In the Bible, to be righteous means you're right with God. You're in a right standing with God. And this is nothing that we could ever earn or ever do because we fall back into the mud like those messy sheep. We are not righteous on our own terms, but we are righteous because God makes us righteous through his Son. One of my favorite texts of Scripture is 1 John chapter 2, where John writes this. Where he says, if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins. He is the propitiation. He is the atoning sacrifice. He is the means, the bridge that will make us righteous. See, this status of being sheep is something we inherit, not something we can earn. You aren't righteous because you do good. You do good because you've been made righteous. You are not sheep because you do good. You do good because you've been made to be sheep. 
makes me think of Hannah Moore. Hannah Moore, one of the great saints of the church who left a life of comfort in the 18th century in London society to fight for the abolition of slavery alongside William Wilberforce and the Clapham sect, to fight for prison reform, for education for the poor, to fight against animal cruelty. Hannah Moore was a committed evangelical Anglican and she believed that her faith, her faith must lead to active service. It's that order. It's faith that moves into service. She writes these words. She was a literary um, author and she wrote these words to describe this faith leading to action. She says, how shall I know a tree's alive unless I see it bear and thrive? Your works not growing on my root would prove they were not genuine fruit. If faith produces no works, I see, that faith is not a living tree. Thus faith and works together grow. No separate life they are can know. Their soul and body, hand and heart, what God hath joined, let no man part. If you are in Christ, living as a sheep is your inheritance. This is our inheritance given to us by grace alone. But not only are sheep inheritors, the text shows that they're imperfect. This is not about the perfect and the imperfect. In verse 37, there's that moment when the righteous, it says, the sheep say to the Lord, the king, Lord, when did we see you? You, Lord, hungry and feed you. When did we see you thirsty and give you a drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you? Right, naked and clothe you, sick or in prison and visit you. Like, we don't see that. Now, here's what's important. This is not ignorance. I mean, Jesus has told his church, this is what we're called to do. Jesus has told his church that as we serve the least of these, we are in fact serving him. This is no surprise to them. This is not a statement of ignorance. It's a statement of humility. These sheep are saying before the Lord, when he starts laying out the things they've done, he said, they say, Lord, that's nothing. It's, it's nothing. My service, my works of service, my service to the least of these has been nothing because I know how far I've fallen short of the call in my life. As we stand at judgment, it's not like we're standing there going, yes, Lord, you know, keep, keep bringing on the praise, Jesus. We're going to say, Lord, I never did enough. I was broken. I was imperfect. Winston Churchill once speaking about humility, was asked, he said, doesn't it thrill you to know that every time you make a speech, the hall is packed to overflowing? And Churchill responded and said, yes, it's quite flattering, but whenever I feel that way, I always remember that if instead of making a political speech, I was being hanged, the crowd would be twice as big. <laughs> right? Sheep are imperfect and they know it. Sheep are imperfect and our humility shows that we know it. There is no boasting. Imperfection means that I live like a goat far too often. This is the reality of our Christian lives. We live, though we are sheep, we live like goats far too often. We are imperfect. I remember after teaching 
on this text once, uh, I had a parishioner come up to me after and said, thanks for softening the text by saying that we were imperfect. And I said, I didn't soften it at all. Saying that we're imperfect doesn't soften the text. It just transfers the punishment. It transfers the blow. The text is just as weighty and just as powerful and just as terrifying, but instead, because of my imperfections, the punishment doesn't fall on me, it falls on him. He bears my imperfection. He bears my lack of living like a sheep. To admit that we are imperfect and need forgiveness doesn't soften it. It simply means that someone else pays the price for our imperfection. Later in the service, we'll sing, Till on the cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. For every sin on him was laid. Here in the death of Christ I live. He faced the separation from my failure to live as a sheep. He faced the fire because of my failure to live as a sheep. This is the heart of the gospel. This is what we heard in Ezekiel chapter 34, our our lesson a moment ago. When God speaks this way of himself, he says, I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. I will myself make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost. I will bring back the strayed. I will bind up the injured. I will strengthen the weak, the fat and the strong. I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. Jesus, the great shepherd, the good shepherd, gathers his imperfect sheep and heals us. One of the reasons that people often leave the church within the first few months after their conversion, people often leave the church in the first three months because they feel it didn't take. They feel like Christianity, this whole Jesus thing, just didn't really take because they find themselves falling back into patterns of sin They find themselves struggling. They're facing down their imperfections. What we need to hear as sheep, as saints in the church, is that imperfection is part of our story, which drives us to our knees and brings us back to the cross again and again and again. And this is why we come to church every week, because every week we need to come in and hear again that I'm a sinner. We need to hear again that God loves me despite my sin. That is grace. And again, we need to find faith and hope to move out and live it again. And then the next week, we're back. This is our life together. Sheep are inheritors, but sheep are also imperfect. But finally, not only are we, are, are we, are we inheritors, not only are sheep imperfect, but sheep are imitators. You see, this life of, of, of service that Jesus calls us to is, is really difficult. It, it takes up our time. It takes up our resources. In, in a world that is so bent on tribalism, you know, this is about pouring out ourselves for another. It's hard. Thanks be to God that this work that Jesus calls us to is something that we simply need to watch him do. We see him and we imitate him. A number of years ago, when I was still uh, working as a Shakespearean actor on the stage, uh, I, I did a lot of fight training because there was obviously a lot of sword play. And uh, I remember one of, my, one of my fight 
uh, directors and coaches once said to me, he said, Paul, if you ever get into a situation where it just really seems unsafe, like the choreographer is asking you to do something not safe, then all you need to do is simply say this, just say, show me. And, and, and it happened. I was uh, doing Hamlet and we had this massive set with stairs and, and the, there's the choreographer and the whole cast is watching this, this portion of rehearsal and he says, we're going to fight going up the stairs and then you're going to fight along the top and then you're going to fight down the next set of stairs. And he says, and then there's going to be a moment when you're going you're to sort of fall and you're going to roll a couple stairs and then pick up your, your rapier and continue. And the whole cast is looking with, with horror, Paul's going to die. And so I simply said to the choreographer, I said, show me. And he looked at the set. He said, I think we should do something a little different. (laughs) You see, Jesus, though, on the other hand, when he calls us to this life of serving the least of these, it's not that we don't already have a living example in our own lives. We've seen it. Look at verse 35. And 36, that list, right? Think about it for a moment. He says, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Who exactly are these least of these? Remember that definition at the beginning? It said the least of these really are those at the bottom, those who are below us those who have nothing to offer us back. That's the definition of the least of these. Friends, is this not where you and I were when Jesus met us? Were we not at the bottom? Were we not in the mud? Were we not ruined? And he came down and ministered to us. Hungry and thirsty for true life, a stranger to God, naked, sick, imprisoned by our sin. Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin and nature's night. Mine eye diffused a quickening ray. I rose the dungeon filled with light. My chains fell off. My heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. My chains fell off. My heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. This is our salvation story. We were on the bottom. Ephesians chapter 2 tells us that we were dead in our trespasses and sins that we were by nature children of wrath, but God who is rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us made us alive in Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Is this not the gospel that the one who had it all gave it up for those who had nothing? Is this not the gospel That God who had everything left it all and came down to our level in the mud and ministered to the least of these. We have been given the greatest example we ever will need. As Tim Keller says, if you do not care about the poor, you have no idea what Jesus has done for you. Is there hope 
for wayward sheep. Hear the good news. Sheep are inheritors. We didn't earn it, we never can. But we have been made to be the sheep God has called us to be. Come to me, Jesus says. Sheep are imperfect. We will fall down and he, the shepherd, will pick us up and he will forgive us of our failures and our goat-like behavior. But sheep are imitators. We do what we see the shepherd do for us. And so come, friends, come to the table. Come and see again what it looks like to serve the least of these. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen.